0: your host, Cam, and co-anchor, John. What's up, everybody? We're tired of having people flake out on us, so we're doing this episode anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, we are talking action director and producer, John McTernan. You know him probably for little-known movies such as Joel Silver Productions that are Predator and Die Hard, and then various other nationwide productions such as Die Hard Free, Last Action Hero, Basic, 13th Warrior, Thomas Crown Affair, and kind of disappeared from the spotlight following a producer uh, wiretapping, hacking uh, scandal in Mm -hmm keeps saying, he's coming back, he's coming back, and we don't know if he's burning bridges or what, but uh I think more than enough, we can speak for the fact that he's just extremely influential. He understands about character. He understands about how to create any kind of thrill or chill. And he's had plenty of other movies that have been rediscovered, whether it's something like his debut, such as Nomads, or something infamous like the Rollerball remake. <laughs> um John, what was your... I think you'd said before, you had seen pretty much all of his blockbusters back-to-back and catching up on some more recent ones. Um, Where do you rank him as a filmmaker, as his pedigree? Well, he's actually in my
1: top five directors of all time. He
0: basically understands it. He has had very private interviews. It's so cool out of all the episodes of the director's documentary series that was on stars, he, his episode is, was often one of the favorite ones because he basically reinstated a lot of what he would said in the past and how, if you really want to be in this industry, you got to dedicate so much time to it and make sure you really want to do that before you say yes. And, uh, he, he also, that they released a blu-ray recently for last action hero and people forget it was a total flop back in the day. It was supposed to be the next best thing and it was mismanaged by Sony and they released it the same week as freaking Jurassic Park. Yeah. And he got fired and basically the commentary track, he seems very displeased because basically he's reconfirming how oh they took it away from me. And so it's just a, interesting for for a cult movie to hear a filmmaker basically instead of just doing the typical disowning, just feeling very shattered as if they don't even know what kind of an identity it is. Cause what's funny is if you look at the movie, it doesn't really feel like too many cooks were in the kitchen, but yet it's one of those where it didn't feel that way. And he's of course, you know, become also recognized for, uh, also, producing some TV movies like Quicksilver Highway, The Right to Remain solid, Silent, and even an obscure 1991 version TV movie of Robin Hood that came out around the same time as the Costner Flick. This one happened to have <laughs> Uma Thurman and Patrick Bergen. And uh, people have also really talked highly about his two Sean Connery movies you do one that's a big hit the hunt for red october and then you do one that's not so much a hit that's kind of a cult movie called medicine man (laughs) yeah it's a very different type of film him and he doesn't ever show that he's restricted to doing just pg or pg-13 or r he basically is all over the place whatever he's thinking of doing he's gonna do (laughs) yeah that's why he's
1: so unique he's one that isn't bothered by ratings. It's more just about what's right for the story, what's right for the characters.
0: Yep. And I don't know why everyone hates so much on BASIC, because it's basically another why. Usual Suspects type who done it and I prefer Usual Suspects, to be fair. But <laughs>
1: it's, it's one that, yes, there was a lot of twists in it. And I know some would say it's convoluted. And I mean, you could say that, but to be all manages you know, just to weave in and out, and yeah you know, just to at least have a cohesive story. And like some films that try to do that, especially nowadays,
0: Not out of all movies I've seen, it's hardly one I would say is problematic or unwatchable. No. And it's like, uh, when's the last time anyone saw kind of a something like this whether it was a soldier story and it's just you don't often see a military mystery unless it's NCIS. it's not trying to be like that i wonder if it influenced NCIS by any
1: means because it it feels like that was influenced by basic But i don't know it who knows
0: <laughs> same year. who knows everyone talks <laughs> um all together um What's the real reason that you think, again, people are coming back to viewing The 13th Warrior as an influential Viking movie? Thomas Crown Affair is a wonderful heist comedy. Hunt for Red October is the most influential modern day submarine movie. And Die Hard and Predator is can't go anywhere without being mentioned in the same sentence as classic 80s action blockbuster, you know? Yeah. Uh, do you think he has kind of a Spielberg kind of approach, or is he kind of more of a just maybe like a 60s or 70s type, like Richard Flesher or John Irvin or Richard Donner even? I'd say more like the Richard Donner approach,
1: more not Spielberg.
0: Because he has done all kinds of crowd pleasers, and we've heard yeah. about all kinds of movies just being unexpected hits. And yet, he's definitely not (laughs) workman-like. No. And yet, he's got an Uma Thurman spy-assassin film that has Travis Fimmel supposedly coming out that's supposed to be kind of, it sounds almost like a Star Wars Fifth Element kind of sci-fi adventure movie. Hmm. uh, Called... Taught Seti 4, but I'm going to hold my breath on that because for years he was like attached to stuff post 2006. That's <laughs> true. And never gets off the ground. Well, and it's so long to be outside of the director's chair. You're better off producing and highlighting stuff at that point. That's true. But yeah, whatever stupid wiretapping thing is, was it? Was he the instigator or was he trying to expose someone who was cro- crooked by pulling some unethical measure? It, it seems just so bizarre. Because I, I, I think he was forced to quit the guild as a result of that. <laughs> I, that I didn't know. I thought so. I could look it up again. <laughs> I've seen some of it before and it was just like I never ever got really a full story on it. <laughs> it's just weird. Especially
1: it's like different accounts, what happened? It gets all confusing. You
0: don't, yeah, yeah. So he was charged in federal court, making a false statement to an FBI investigator earlier that year. There was evidence he had hired a PI to illegally wiretap two people around the year 2000. It's like he was trying to get some serious money. He like <laughs> headed to prison in like 2013. They stalled it in like oh six. <laughs> It's so weird.
1: (laughs) Well, it's interesting reading that while in prison, he managed to write a possible sequel for Thomas Crown, if you Under the working title, Thomas Crown and Missing Lioness. Jeez.
0: So you had to basically take on any kind of movie at that point? Yeah.
1: Which, okay. I didn't know that until now, so... Maybe he could make that. You never know. let him, they probably won't at this point, which is sad because I love to see at least one more film from him at some point. Like I said, he's very influential to later action directors, I'm sure they said before, particularly with Die Hard, we know that
0: yeah and it is so funny how he was very intimidated by joel silver you know <laughs> he made predator in south america and you know it was kind of like raiders of the lost Dark or lawrence of arabia for him he's hiring a very wonderful like australian cinematographer who's mm-hmm. got all this you know non-static camera work and he's you know using craig arp actually for the stuff back in la involving the tree falls and what have you and you got a then unknown Van Dam playing the creature, the title creature yeah. quitting halfway, uh, better, better yet, less than halfway, and just a quarter into it, and, and and it's just so hysterical how he was by that point he was getting sick of Joel Silver shit. So then you know, that was his only thing is like he really wanted Die Hard Free to technically had been the second movie, and he's like, well, I'll come back as long as Joel is anywhere near there. And at that point, you know. Uh, Local Pictures had owned the rights, and so they're just like, Hey, we just want to do a take advantage of the Planet Hollywood formula. We'll just we'll bring you back one way or the other.
1: <laughs> uh, there's disagreements with Joel, especially, yeah, I'll probably vote Joel.
0: <laughs> yeah, Joel is just a fascinating individual because it's just you never know what he's gonna do and if it's gonna be despicable or just. Outrageous or very inspirational is like his work speaks for itself, and yet at the same time, he's just like Joel, man, Joel, buddy, you you got to back down now. <laughs> so you got to calm down. Do do, calm down.
1: <laughs> he's not like that. But it's also fascinating. I should point out that of all people, Schwarzenegger was the reason why Mutina was high up for prayer there, since he had seen. His first film, No Man's.
0: Yeah. I gotta say... A lot of people keep yeah. revisiting it. I don't get it either. <laughs> as a fan of McToonin, somebody who loves him... I'm Hell, like, even as a fan of Brosnan, that's like the only th- good thing that comes out of this. This is his collaboration with him and he brings it back for Thomas Crown, but it's like... Man. No Man's, because... I watched it and I'm like, what this, what's the thing to see in ads? Yeah, because, I I have tried. I really have. And I, I just don't care for the visuals or, and it's just no. the pacing is just so uninspired. And the story is a mess. It must have been just at the time. It just was very weird and unusual. And it just caught his eye. Cause you look at it now, you're like, I, it's just dated or not. It does not hold my interest. <laughs> but it's such a blind spot. And it's his first movie. So he gets off on it. You know, I don't, it's not like with a movie that's like a disappointment from a once you know accomplished filmmaker like coppola where you're like man dude what happened and i going back to his scandal apparently he the wiretap wasn't successful it was just the fact that he lied to the feds (laughs) (laughs) so they decided to charge him so there you go but i
1: just thought it was interesting especially after that know, doing *Further* and Die Hard, which is like, I'd say one of the biggest comebacks for a director, <laughs> after doing Nomads. And yeah. not a lot of directors are able to do that. Some end up falling even further. He's one of the few that didn't do that. Unless you get to roll a ball, but that's a different story in general. <laughs> it's just so bizarre. Yeah. I tried. I couldn't really finish it. I'm sorry to say. <laughs> <laughs> Even as a fan of I could can...
0: Yeah. I've done it too many times on MGMHD not doing that again.
1: So, uh, so,
0: what can you do? Apparently, the guy uh, who did the wiretapping is Anthony Pelicano. It's known as the infamous Hollywood fixer. Mm. he was incarcerated at a federal prison in Texas and later at Terminal Island in California (laughs) he was released in 2019 post poor health Jesus (laughs) he's worked for clients such as supposedly Tom Cruise Steven Seagal and wiretap people like Keith Carradine because he was dating his daughter and Gary Shanlin, Kevin Nealon and it's Wester Stallone, Jesus.
1: <laughs> this dude's an asshole. <laughs> yeah, I would say. <laughs> wow. That's <is> so wild.
0: <laughs> Ooh. We just got a dark chapter. Real life Ray Donovan. <laughs> um so i don't have any other real closing minds i think you pretty much have summed up what's interesting about him i if you were to suggest i guess uh an order in which to watch his movies would you start with predator and then die hard or that's usually what i would say okay just start an order predator,
1: die hard then Red I And mean, if you want you could do it as a man Depends if when you move,
0: you know. Hell, let's do 13th Warrior and then Dyer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, the time of- yeah. yeah I, I'm still waiting for like a director's cut of that somewhere, just because people have talked about so many additional scenes. Yeah, it's uh, not
1: the trailer, it's not movie.
0: Well, yeah, that's in the trailer, and Michael Crichton was the author, and he was involved, and so he took it over, and yet Again, much like uh, Last Action Hero, it's unlike other people where you can often tell just based on their clear signature style. You really can't tell who shot what. It must have been a pretty solid crew. Yeah. And you see a lot of people who regard it as a very good performance for Antonio Banderas to be playing this Arab adventurer and... It just must have been such a chaotic shoot that, again, some of the co-stars bashed it at the time, like Omar Sharif, and then it just did not make its money back. But yet anyone who I've often introduced it to has generally found it pretty favorable, and it just seems like, I don't know, just snobby people who don't really like it. Who, And yet nowadays it's definitely going to be ranked as one of the best Viking adventure movies. Let's just by the book for it. Oh, the book Eaters of the Dead is great, but even even if going into it cold, you would probably just love the gory swordplay, you know. And it was just good for him to go from you know Banderas to go from being, playing Zorro and then doing that, and it was just an interesting take on just uh, just there's so many allusions to Homer's The Iliad and uh, Beowulf, and you're just like. Yeah, this this is what every other Lord of the Rings type epic should be like. <laughs> Instead of trying to ape all these other fantasy movies that are again popular but not necessarily known for being good and not a Lord of the Rings this, but uh just uh you know, let'd be more like Thirteen Warriors than shall we say Hunger Games, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um Yeah, so Rollerball is just interesting because like, it seems like he's just aping shots from Die Hard. It really does make you yeah. wonder if he was forced to do that movie. Because it is trashy, but it also feels like a direct-to-video movie that somehow got sent to theaters. It's not well-known enough for me to really just talk about it enough, and yet it's also... Not the worst piece of shit I've seen. It's just sadly, it's kind of tr- trashy, and you're just like, hey, was this meant for Sci Fi Channel? <laughs> well, the only reason is because some of the cast that was in there, they were popular at the time. It was even funnier how it was one of many movies in the 2000s that basically flopped. It was known for being a PG 13 movie and then came to home video, and you could only get it in the R rated version. <laughs> and it's
1: yeah that's what was a lot of times
0: yeah it's <laughs> it, but like literally near the end the villain is literally doing his best Hans Gruber Alan Rickman impression just his hair and the yeah. way it's lit and you're just like so basically he just was making a very confusing movie and just wanted to get it over and done with um all together I think other than his small blemishes he has a pretty overall agreeable resume but it's just it's just funny seeing that he has just the most bizarre scandal and everyone at the end of the day just goes hey the guy who did Predator Die Hard what happened to him like said, so, hopefully one day he can
1: make another film I'll be happy to see it us uh, too but...
0: we don't have to like the person yeah yeah <laughs> and my people i like his act out of any shitty movie to be curious about it seemed like he was like afraid that the producer was like denying him certain funds or what have you it's just so weird Mm -hmm. makes you wonder how he even got acquainted with the guy to begin with because he just doesn't seem like that type and yet no there he is he's using a infamous fixture it's like damn okay Um. Yeah. Uh, any other closing thoughts? No. Like I said, that's
1: he's always been one of my favorites. I mean, you know,
0: besides the scandal hall, <laughs> of course. Like I said, if you were to know. do a movie based on his life, who would play him? <laughs> that's a good question, actually.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but it could be anybody. Tapping the wiretapper, the McTurnan story. <laughs> Oh god! Now they're going to make that. No, they are. They'll probably put out a cease and desist, Lifetime USA Network. You can't make this.
1: What was Lifetime is going to be really tame.
0: So, and even then, I, having watched the show Ray Donovan, which deals with fixers, I of all the sleaze bags and scumbags they have in that show, I'm always wondering who they might have been inspired by. (laughs) That's true is like who is this perv inspired by who is this uh mma fighter who's <laughs> very petty uh inspired by because it's not tyson that's too easy it's gotta be someone else i don't know about <laughs> uh, or is it just their own creativity they've seen years of tabloids and they're like hmm. <laughs> let's have this right as self give us your best shot it'd be ironic though if they did have them direct an episode and <laughs> be like oh too close to home. Method directing. <laughs> Method yeah. <effort. laughs> well, I'll be fascinating if he wants to, but hey. You never know. Oh. <laughs> For this spy assassin movie that may or may not ever come out. <laughs> oh, McTernan You better do it, buddy. You're, 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 your days are numbered. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll return after these messages. Hello and welcome to Culture Shocked, the pop culture podcast brought to you by four aging millennials and our outdated opinions. Join us every Tuesday as we discuss movies, TV, games, and even music, new and old. Dude, what do you think you're doing? Are you seriously trying to record a promo without us right now? Well, uh, yeah. Dude, you can't just do the promo by yourself. Who's going to listen to that? Yeah, and you probably haven't even told them that we're a pop culture podcast where we always agree on everything. Uh, For instance, the Sam Raimi trilogy easily being the best of the Spider-Man movies. No, no. But I think we can all agree that Jaws is a classical masterpiece. Mm, Nope, don't like that. But we do all agree that the sequel trilogy of Star Wars is the best in the Skywalker saga. Right, guys? That comment is so ridiculous. I don't even know where to... Anyways, uh, that'll do it from all of us here at Culture Shock. Thanks for listening. and even the Muppets versus Sesame Street. That one was crazy. So, if you're a fan of geek culture and love a spirited debate, check out the Who Would Win Show wherever you get your podcasts, or check us out at WhoWouldWinShow.com. We let things pile up in the DVR, we add them to our queues, we wait for the DVDs and Blu rays, we time shift. The Time Shifters Podcast. Now back to the feature presentation. Follow us on the web on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The podcast is available on Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Anchor, Apple, and anywhere else podcasts are available. Feel free to review our show and leave comments on any of those sites. Thanks a million for listening!